0: Well, thank you, everybody, so much for joining. This is Sunday, the 26th of October, 2008. And it is time for the Sunday listener mosh pit of philosophy. Uh, Just a uh, few brief orders of business to begin with. Um, We are going to um, – I'm going to continue to push for the voting for 2008 podcast awards. We are top ten finalists in the category of – bald-headed sexiness, and education. And uh, if you could go to podcastawards.com, that would be great. Just click on education, put your name and email in. You can vote once per day per email, per IP, uh, and of course, no spamming. And we can de the world one vote at a time. And uh, as many of you have expressed a wish, we could end up on top of Grammar Girl. Anyway, Thank you so much for for, uh, doing that. We really do appreciate it. It would be a great boost for us to win. The current events videos, there is a collection or a playlist of them available now, uh, which I will post up in the video section. And we have been getting some very good responses from that. The YouTube viewership of Free Domain Radio as a whole is up 200% since I began the current events series uh, in uh, late... September And last but not least, and perhaps most, the referrals from YouTube to Free Domain Radio are up between 400 and 500%, which is fantastic because heaven knows it was getting rather a challenge to find people (laughs) to come to Free Domain Radio through advertising. There is a sad diminishment of uh, uh, advertising dollar effectiveness. You get a low-hanging fruit, and then... You just get uh, the fruity, low-hanging ones like me. So I just wanted to mention that. That's it for Orders of Business. And uh, um, if you want to uh, ask questions, make comments, uh, I am all ears. Uh, I was thinking thinking of running a contest. What do you think? I was thinking of running a contest where people could guess how popular each of the FDR books were based on downloads. I must tell you that, I mean, we're not even at the end of October. And, okay, one more order of business and we've had almost two terabytes of book downloads this month. I actually have to upgrade the box account, and I'm very glad that those aren't coming off the FDR server. Can you imagine how slow the podcast would be? Dear Lord, it would take as long to download one as it would be to listen to it. So uh, I am very pleased with that. The free books are just doing fantastically, and uh, we're up at around 30,000 free books. Uh, Again, You know, not to pound you on the donation thing, but and thank you so much to those who've recently signed up for the $10 or $20 a month subscription. You have been vaulted into the elevated and illustrious, almost ethereal ranks of silver and gold. And uh, donations, uh, um, uh, st- the middle of the month is always a little uh, <laughs> anxiety-producing. Uh, and um, uh, so if you, uh, if you have a few shekels or you haven't donated for a while, if you could donate, that would be absolutely fantastic. Uh, there's a lot of outreach that's going on from FDR. Um, we have just passed 540,000 video views, which is not too bad. That's about the equivalent of one cheesy mid-level 80s video, and that is really impressive for a philosophy show and um uh, thank you so much to those who've been gathering emails that we'll be sending uh, out invites to and uh, i also did send out the most recent fdr newsletter that's number five you can sign up for that on the podcast page if you want to get uh, a look so so called under the kilt uh, of uh, of fdr so uh wear welding goggles of course so uh, that's it for the news and the weather i am all open with the questions uh comments uh, uh, feel free to um, uh, to to jump in.
1: Hey, Steph, I have a question if you don't mind.
0: Sorry, could you say again?
1: I said I have a question if you don't mind. How's the connection between Moscow and Canada, by the way?
0: Uh, good, we're actually joined by the Arctic, so it's not bad at all.
1: Oh well, you know, there you go. Must be some sort of undersea cable going the other way. Um. I'm feeling really, 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 like really apprehensive about this conversation, but I guess I'll just sort of go with it and see how it goes. Um, there's a lot of things that I could talk about, obviously, now that I'm in Moscow. Um, but there's one specific situation that I wanted to, to ask if you have any ideas on. Um, I'm living with uh, another teacher who's a sort of, you know, middle-class Anglican girl from uh, from England. And recently, um, just this week, her parents came to Moscow and they stayed with us for four days. In fact, they've only just left this morning. Um, and while they were here, you know, the, the first night that we met, we were all sort of sitting around and they were having a beer like they do. I was just sort of sitting there. And, you know, her mother started asking me about, you know, my family. Yeah, it was basically in the sort of, you know, we support our daughter, my flatmate, you know, coming to Russia, but we have some sort of misgiving. So, you know, what does your mother say? How does she feel about your being over here in Moscow? And, you know, the, the first thing that popped out of my mouth was, well, I don't really have any family. Um... And she said, well, you know, your, your parents died? When did they die? Um, and I didn't really know what to say. You know, I didn't want to to go into, you know, my family in, entirely consists of abusive assholes who basically neglected me for my entire childhood, so I'm not so much with the speaking to them. Um, and, you know, I also didn't want to say, well, I basically, I didn't know what to say, so I just sort of went with what her mom said and, you know, pretended basically as if my, my parents were dead. And that's sort of a, a thing that I've been wondering about not only for, for the past four, well, three or four days while they've been here, but, you know, just in, in general, you know, what what the hell do I say when, you know, people ask me, well, you know, how, how does your mom feel about you being here, or just about my family in general? And I was talking with a, another FDR listener about this, and he said, you know, that um, one of the things he does is is whenever people in his hometown ask him about his mom and dad, he just basically gives some sort of a a non-answer, which I guess I could do as well. Um, but, you know, obviously this is sort of a, a problem for more people than me. So after that long monologue, I was wondering if you had any sort of ideas.
0: Uh, sure. I, I mean, I think it's an excellent question. What was your purpose in saying, I have no family? Which, which is not factual, right? It's not, not a factual statement. You do have family, you just don't like them or speak to them, right?
1: Right. Um, it was actually, I didn't really think about it. It was just the first thing that, that popped out of my mouth was, I have no family.
0: Right, which, is, which which then gets you into a further hole, right, as you sort of found out? Yeah, basically. Yeah, so, so I mean, it's sort of like saying, um, I'm a terrorist, right? <laughs> and, and then um, people say, well, what kind of terrorist? It's like, well, I don't want to talk about it anymore. Like, you've already made a statement that is going to be um, surprising or shocking to people, and then going further with that is really tough, right? Right. Well, um, uh, but we, we just faced this uh, at, uh, uh, when we were uh, baby shopping, and, or shopping for baby stuff, and uh, uh, someone was uh, asking us about, uh, you know, uh, do we want to get registered so that friends and family can buy stuff for the baby, uh, and so on, and uh, uh, friends and family, what do these words you mean? <laughs> and then Christina pretended to only speak that Urdu clicking language, and we got some space that way, so there's options, that's what I'm saying. Um, my mother is a test tube and my father smelt of elderberries. Something like that. Something completely non sequitur. But uh to, to
1: I I could pretend to only speak Russian. Yeah.
0: Right. Uh I was yeah. birthed out of the forehead of Jupiter. But no. Um <laughs> uh, well, uh, Which might even be true, who knows. What what is the what is the fact statement? Right? what, what is the most honest and truthful fact statement that you could make? Uh, if you weren't concerned about the reactions of the person who was listening?
1: Um, I have family living, um, but I have decided, after a lot of really painful thought, um, not to talk to them anymore, because, you know, basically talking to them was making me sick, and they were abusive assholes.
0: And what is your anticipation of the response? that people will have to
1: that. Wow, okay. You're entirely unreasonable. And they back away slowly.
0: Right, so there's not going to be... I mean, uh, there is some, some truth in that, but the problem is if you take that approach, Charlotte, you can't pack enough truth in it to make it comprehensible to other people.
1: Yeah, which is why, you know, I don't plan on ever doing that.
0: Right, right, so... Um, like if somebody says to me, what, what are your political views, right? If I say I'm an anarchist, well, that's just, again, that, that would just be shocking to them, right? They they wouldn't know how to process it, right? Right. So if I want to talk about my political views, God help them, then I will say X, Y, or Z, you know, well, I, I start from first principles of voluntarism and nonviolence and go from there. And this is where I end up. And, you know, and then at that point, they're usually clawing at the uh, car door, like a ferret in an old aquarium. But, um,
1: yeah. Uh, yeah, and I mean, you know, basically, her mom, she didn't want that kind of information. It was just like, oh God, no. Well, no, she wanted a sort of, well, I have some misgivings, but I want someone else's opinion to to make sure that my idea is okay and my daughter is, you know, going to not die here.
0: Yeah, she she wasn't looking for any information about you. Probably, she was just looking for confirmation of her own views, right? Right, exactly. Okay, so, uh, so recognizing that situation for what it is, y- I mean, you don't have to answer anything, right? I mean, if somebody says to me, well, what are your political views, and I don't want to talk about it with them, or I think it's just a, a rhetorical question, I just say, well, they're complicated, but tell me more about what you think. Mm-hmm. Right, so if somebody says, well, what does your mother think of, uh, of you coming to Russia? They're like, well, it's complicated, but let's talk more about what you think.
1: Okay.
0: Right, you just the, the artful. I mean, if you, if you want to figure out how to do this stuff, just watch any political debate, right? The art of the non answer is, uh, is a skill that philosophers are wise to figure out, in my opinion.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Three different objections pop up to, to that in my head. But.
0: Well, no, go ahead. Uh, let, let's get them out, right? And, and and also, be prepared, right? I mean, this question is something we all face. We all face. And uh, it's good to have an answer that you have some – a framework that you have ahead of time so you don't just try and wing it, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. To that, I mean, you know, before, a couple of joints ago, I haven't really – thought about the, the question at all of what to say when people ask me about my family, because, I mean, usually people don't. Right. So, um, that was actually the first time in, in nine months since I'd be food that anyone asked me, well, you know, what about your mom?
0: Really? Ruth didn't ask you at all about your family? Um, no. Oh, man. Not really. Oh, man. Those actors. Anyway, okay. um. Yeah,
1: I mean, for for like obvious reasons. Um, But anyway, so the first sort of um, thing that popped up in my head was, well, you know, giving a non-answer is almost as dishonest as like outright outright lying and saying you're dead. But I don't think that's true. I'm
0: sorry. Could you just repeat that bit? I just missed the beginning.
1: Yeah. um, First thing that popped up was, well, giving a non-answer is almost as dishonest as outright lying.
0: Well, it's 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 not lying. It is complicated with your mom, right? If it wasn't complicated, you wouldn't have any difficulty or ambivalence talking about it, right? Right. So you're not lying. You're saying it's complicated. Okay. And it's just a question of being appropriate to the situation, right? So let's say that uh, I just went to the doctor, and the doctor said that I had... Uh, knee rot and my legs were going to fall off. Right. And, uh, you know, some guy, uh, some guy, uh, at the, at the baker or at the grocer or whatever says, Hey, how you doing, Mr. Molyneux? And I say, Oh my God, I have knee rot and, uh, you know, and say, weeping and right. Well, I mean, I'm not saying this is you, right. But, but this just response is appropriate to the intimacy of the question. Right. I just say, right. Hey, I'm, I'm okay. Right. Cause it's, yeah. it's a call and answer rhetorical question. Right.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: and so when people yeah. say well what does your mom think of this it's like oh it's uh it's complicated uh and, and then you know just turn it back to them right now anybody who's reasonably polite will certainly understand that you don't particularly want to get into it right because they're strangers right and we don't discuss our personal issues with strangers right that's right. just that's a boundary thing right yeah and so a reasonably polite person will say, oh, okay, well, let's get back to the real issue, which is what I'm thinking and feeling, or what I, the only thing I'm interested in talking about. And somebody who's uh, not so polite will press on, right? In which okay. case you can say, well, I don't really feel comfortable talking about this, uh, or I don't really want to talk about this, and you, know, you just, you know, let, let's get back to you, right? This is not, not sort of about me and, and my family, but let's let's focus on you, or, you know, or just say, uh, oh, you know, heaven's sakes, I... Uh, uh, I feel a sudden and explosive bowel movement coming along. I must leave.
1: Excellent. It gives them too much information back. Hey, what do you know?
0: And then store uh, a very large whoopee cushion in the bathroom. And that way you can probably get the whole place <laughs> to yourself.
1: Well, I tell you what, there are enough weird noises around here that no one would probably hear it.
0: Right, right. I mean, uh, in around the clatter of small arms fire from the Putin mob's uh, versus the MediaDev mods, uh, you're probably okay. So, but no, I mean, it's it's a it's a rhetorical question, uh, you know, and, and it's not easy, right? I mean, I, I'm not saying there's any. It is an awkward moment for sure, but um, and, and we've done our fair share of dodging, right? When uh, after after we defood, people would ask, you know, uh, how's how's your family? It's like, ah, oh, they're fine, right? And we assume they are because we haven't, you know, the only time we ever get communicated is when there's some sort of disaster, so. So they're fine, right? right. Uh, when did you last see them? Oh, it's uh, it's been a while, right? Um, yeah. I mean, there's all these kinds of things, right? Oh, how come? Well, you know, it's uh, it's complicated. But hey, let's get back to <laughs> let's get back. To, do you know what I mean? Like you you just don't have to don't don't have to give an. They don't have to lie, but you don't have to give an answer. And a polite person will be very sensitive. That will recognize. That you, you're not comfortable talking about it with them, and and of course, a polite person won't press you to reveal family secrets the first time they meet you because that's that's the indication of a crazy person, right?
1: Yeah, or someone with like completely no boundaries.
0: Right, which is you know, you say tomato, I say tomato, but um, yeah. but yeah, you, I, I know it's not easy, and you can just you can just practice these, right? It's just good to get to get this down. This is um, you know, I, I hate to reduce it to this, but. But this is also like sales, right? So in sales, you research your competitors and you figure out how you're going to answer certain objections where you say – where the customer says, well, but their, their solution is half the price, right? And you say, well, yes, but I have a huge drug head. It's very expensive. Um, so there's, there's ways that you will rehearse these responses so that you give these polished uh, and not stressful responses uh, to, to questions which you know are going to come up. And, and this, this comes up for, uh, for everyone.
1: Yeah. Okay, that that makes a lot of sense.
0: Did you have more objections to the vague answers? Like, did you want to do a role play where I'm uh, slippery as a foggy candy and eel, and you are trying to to grab me, or or do you feel relatively content about this?
1: (laughs) Um, It's relatively content enough that I can't sort of remember the other objections, so, I mean, they were probably... As invalid as the one that I – well, not invalid, but sort of not actually objections to what you're saying like that was.
0: So. Yeah, and it, to me it's it's a good test because most people will just back off right away, right? Most people will mm-hmm. just back off, and, and they'll get that you don't really want to talk about it or whatever, right? Like you say, I'm in this cult where I'm not allowed to discuss my family or something like that. And um, most people will recognize that you're not comfortable with it and so on. But other people uh, will pursue it, and and those people, of course, are the people you least want to talk about stuff with, because they're they're the ones who are the least appropriate, uh, most inappropriate in this kind of area.
1: Yeah, makes sense.
0: And I think it's sorry. The last thing I'll say: we're not the only people with this kind of stuff, right? right? Right. So so if there's some, I don't know, some some woman has a miscarriage, right, and and she goes to a, a work function a couple of days later, um, they say, everybody says, how you doing? How was your weekend, right? Um, what's she going to say? I spent it rocking, weeping, weeping, and bleeding, right? I mean, that's not, she's not going to respond that. So we all have these appropriate secrets to keep, if that makes sense. These, these tragedies which mm-hmm. are personal to be shared with close friends, to be discussed that way. So we really you know we're not uh, freaks with <laughs> bizarre secrets that nobody else has everybody has their tragedies that uh, that they don't that are not for public consumption of course right i mean everybody in the world has these things because nobody gets a smooth ride through life so what what we're facing here is nothing freaky it's nothing uh, bizarre it's just that in most of our families we weren't allowed to have a private life that was not for public consumption, right? Mm-hmm. So we're just not used to uh, setting up these kinds of boundaries. But this is this is common the whole world over, right? Um, someone has uh, is going through a, has just had a big fight with uh, with their spouse, right? And uh, they show up someplace and people say how are you right he's going to say oh man you know <laughs> i barely dodged that bus you know or something like he's going to have to you know smooth things over and and uh, reveal what is appropriate to the situation so there's nothing freaky or weird in, in in this this is a a very common human response to uh to a an accidental public question about an intensely private matter if that makes sense
2: mm-hmm. okay
1: that makes sense Thank you.
0: You're welcome. I hope it uh, helps. And uh, that's the you. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's sort of nice speaking to you again. It feels really weird over here. So.
0: Weird like cold and drunken?
1: No, I mean, the entire country is sort of basically on the verge of collapse. So,
0: You know, that. <laughs> that may not be such a such a difference in some ways right i mean if you've been following the us news lately but um in in the race the yeah, valuation I mean, between uh, yeah. uh, toilet paper and the us currency it's a, sort of a dead heat but sorry go on
1: well i mean it's it's much more um overt over here than i'm i'm used to i must say that the uh, the us dollar is at like a two year high against the ruble so you guys are doing much better than i am
0: yeah, the actually the the ruble was originally called the scruple, but uh, they realized they didn't have any, so they went back to the original name, but uh, uh, to the latter name. So, yeah, no, it 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 is a wild, wild country. Uh, I have never, I mean, in my I've never been to Russia, but I've, I certainly uh, uh, have had some Russian friends, and uh, I have never seen uh, more philosophical energy poured into pointless, never like rubber never meets the road questions. Uh, in any culture, uh, in in my life, so it really is quite wild. The degree to which they debate abstracts uh, while the plane goes into a mountain is really quite stunning.
1: <laughs> if they even debate at all.
0: Yeah, that I mean, that may not. I mean, maybe it was more the intellectuals who left that I met, but uh, it does seem to be uh, um, a pretty a, a, a country with a tortured relationship to ideals, to say the least. Like they, they love these ideals, yeah. but they worship this brute power. So, like Putin can say, uh, I admire this man because he raped 10 women, right? Like this absolute subhuman, brutish thuggishness, uh, while at the same time you can get uh, this, you know, Dostoevsky and kind of wild, soaring, uh, Christ like abstractions. Uh, it, it's just a, a wild uh, a country that way where. The men are brutes and the women are ethereal. That's sort of been my experience. But anyway, that's, let me not tell you about Russia since you're there and I'm, <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> All
1: right. Well, have a good night, everybody. It's uh, like almost midnight here. So.
0: Right. And midnight lasts uh, two years because uh, she's very fun off. So nice chatting with you. Good to uh, have you back and stay in touch if you can. Yeah, we'll be. Bye. Bye. Now we drink and dance! Sorry. Um, what, uh, what other questions do people have? I am. Uh, we are wide open. Christina's is here as well. If you want something that's fairly straightforward.
2: Um, yeah, I kind of have a question.
0: Sorry, you kind of have a question?
2: Yeah, no, I do have a question.
0: So was that the kind of question, or is this the real question?
2: It's a real question. All right. Yeah. Um, a couple of days ago in therapy, I... Yeah, I have a question. Um, a couple couple of days in therapy, a couple of days ago in therapy, I brought up um, the experience I had as a boy uh, with my mother. I mean, care, caring about my mother, and I'm not. And I know that I, you know, cared about her because that was a sur- mechanism of survival. And I mean, I feel really sad about it. And I'm not sure what to um, do with this sadness and kind of process how I, I know, am I I being coherent or am I
0: losing it? I guess my question first and foremost, uh, and I certainly do appreciate the feelings that you're having, is why, why, why are you sleeping around on your wife? What? Why are you sleeping around on your wife? Tell me that. I don't have a wife. Yes, you do. You have a wife called a therapist, and now I'm your slutty mistress in something entirely too low-cat. Oh. Um. And I mean I mean that with some seriousness, and this is not a, it's not, nothing wrong with that. I'm just sort of, like, you have a relationship with your therapist, and what's missing with the relationship with your therapist that you're asking me? And, and there's nothing wrong with asking me. I'm perfectly happy to answer, but but I think the more important question is is to figure that out, if that makes sense.
2: Okay. I don't know. Well, I guess. I, I want to say that the session ended at 45 minutes, and I, maybe I sh- just shouldn't be asking this question of you. Or
0: No, that's not, there's again, it's nothing wrong with asking the question, of course. I mean, we're all friends, and I'm, I'm happy to help if I can. But I don't think that's something you're processing as yet, and I think that's important.
2: Okay. I feel kind of surprised. Excellent. Yeah, I feel I feel surprised, not kind of
0: surprised. Well, because surprised. you said in the in the chat window, I think it was yesterday or the day before, that you felt really down. When was your therapy session? Friday. Uh, so uh, the therapy session was Friday, and you said it was forty five minutes.
2: Yeah.
0: Why that seems a little short? Uh, why why is it so short?
2: Um, that's just how we have it set up. I have 45 minutes on Tuesday, 45 minutes on Friday, and group for an hour and a half on Wednesday.
0: Right, okay, so uh, this this week you had uh, three hours of therapy, right? Yeah. And you're asking a therapeutic question here, and again, please please don't misunderstand me, I have no problem with you asking it, but um, if you get a good answer here... My concern is that it's going to become an adjunct to the good answers that you should be getting from your other therapy, uh, the the other therapy that you're taking. If that makes sense.
2: Okay. I mean, I really did get a did uh, figure out a lot of stuff on Friday, actually, and I thought that I I was really happy with those answers that I got. So.
0: But then you you fell down, right?
2: Yeah, and like I couldn't figure it out by myself. How to uh, um, get, th- uh, get past it.
0: And how did you feel when your therapist tapped her watch and said 45 minutes uh, on, on Friday? His. His, sorry. Yeah. Um, I felt a
2: little rushed. Well, I, the way I recall it is I kept talking for a minute or two after the time went
0: up. All right. So you felt rushed? You said you felt a little rushed. Do you mean rushed out of there?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, I would have rather kept talking.
0: Right, right, because... Um, and so, so, what happened with with that feeling, right? Because, or well, what was that feeling? Rushed is not really much of a feeling, if that makes sense.
2: Okay, felt disrupted because I felt I felt really connected to um, my therapist on Friday. Um, I'm, uh, more connected than I usually do, but not um, not the only time that I felt that kind of empathetic connection. I mean, I think I'm starting to uh, reap the results of, you know, being with the same therapist for a few months now and that, you know, I'm getting more of a a complete connection, but also, I I guess one of of my big issues is disruption of connection. I mean, it was something for me as a kid and something in my romantic relationships too. So, Right. Now, if if the
0: the major issue that occurred with your therapist had something to do with this disruption of connection, and if that is related to something to do with your mother, then I think that's the real issue, not the content of your therapy session, if that makes sense. Okay. And then talking about the content of your therapy session won't actually help, if that makes sense. In the long run, I mean. Okay.
2: Okay. No, that makes sense because it'll just be another issue that'll pop up later yeah
0: because I- if you say well i feel really anxious when the intimacy or the connection is disrupted then so then i'll go and, and forge another connection that's masking the symptom right and what you need to do deal with and that's why i sort of interrupted the the form to look at the or interrupted the content of your question to look at the form which is why uh, why is it occurring so just, and again i don't i don't want to lead you put words in your mouth so just tell me if i'm completely wrong but Uh, Did you feel a connection with your mother that was then interrupted that was there when you were a kid, right? Were there times where you would feel close, which would then be uh, uh, interrupted or cut off? Or would she abruptly sort of terminate those things if you got too, uh, quote, close or anything like that? Or was that not part of your upbringing?
2: Um, I don't think it was that when I got too close. It was just that it would end arbitrarily and her movements, her comings and goings would be, um, unpredictable, and she would sometimes pay attention to me, and other times she would not, and sometimes she'd be gone, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, probably wouldn't make eye contact with her for, like, weeks at a time, and then she'd be uh, very interested in what I was doing or whatever, and I'd always be trying to get her attention, and so, I mean, this is part of what I've been uh, addressing, is figuring out, you know, the nature of my relationship with her, um, but... I mean, uh, fr- Friday, the thing that was discussed in particular was um, how much it hurt for me to really, I mean, to really care about her uh, and have her be attacked all the time by my dad.
0: Okay, and um, t- tell me about uh, the the caring. You say you c- cared about her. Tell, tell me about that.
2: Um I mean, that would be more in the child's conception of the relationship rather than what I know of it now. Does that make sense? It's more in the child's words than I would use.
0: Yeah, we're talking a, a a necessary biological attachment, right?
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: And splitting, right? Because what we do when we have... Uh, you know, a good parent and a bad parent is we're splitting the relationship between them, right? So we're saying, uh, my good, innocent, wonderful mother uh, somehow got stuck with this ogre and it's my job to fill the hole in her heart that he keeps excavating, right? Yes. Uh, which is not rational, but, but it's certainly necessary as a child and it's there's no child who doesn't feel that. Uh, and of course, that is almost always the story of the mother too, Right. Right. I have and, uh, sadly I mean, and arbitrarily I mean, been swept up into this brutal, matriarchal, ugly world. Uh, I, the sensitive Blanche Dubois, uh, white orchid of purity and so on. And I mean, this self-pity and this lack of responsibility for the man that you chose to spend your life with, uh, is pretty common among this, this type of woman, at least as I've seen it.
2: Right. And um, I mean, p- part of that tracing back was it, it was important because I identified with my dad later on and my um I kind of flipped over to identifying with my dad and I did flip back and forth as well but eventually it solidified more um, with identifying with my dad so um, I think connecting with the I think, are we off topic?
0: Not for me, but go on
2: Okay, I mean, I, I feel sad
0: um, Well, do you mind if I, if I mention something here? Yeah, go ahead. This is just something that I mention with a huge amount of of sympathy and empathy. But I don't know if you've ever heard of the phrase running to stand still. It's also a, a U2 song. Yeah. The amount of desperation that is in the world of children who feel the need to constantly maintain the good approval and interest and affections of their parents could power approximately a third of the universe. The children who have to become uh, clowns, have to become compliant, have to become, quote, helpful, uh, have uh, 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 have to learn how to do chores, have to provide value, that is not just who they are as human beings. But it has to be me plus intellectual achievement, plus good grades, plus... Compliance, plus obedience, plus, 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 right?
2: Yeah, that was me with my parents.
0: That is an absolutely exhausting, exhausting childhood. It is like uh, trying to, it's like spending your childhood trying to run up the side of a gravel mountain. You know, uh, everything gets dislodged, you slide down, you're clawing your way back up you never get to rest and you never climb to the top right right everything you cling to peels off falls away right
2: that's what it was like yeah
0: right right and the the awful legacy and and just i'm just i'm speaking about this because when you were up for the barbecue there was a change for me in you from the beginning to the end of of the weekend. At the beginning, you were tense, and you... And again, this is all just my opinion, right? But you were you were tense, and it was hard for you to feel that you had value unless you were doing something, unless you were talking about your book collection or your achievements or your writing or... Like, you kind of had a billboard, right? And, and this is not particular to you, and it's not pathological. It's just a natural result of having to be you plus status commercials to be of value to your parents, right? Now, by the end, yeah. end you had relaxed a lot, in my, in my opinion. You had relaxed, you felt more comfortable, you felt that you were valued for being in the room, right? Not for doing something, not for providing value, but for being in the room as who you were. And your sense of humor had increased your physicality, your physicality at the beginning of the weekend was a little lurchy, like a little Frankenstein-y, but then towards the end you had uh, relaxed your physicality a lot uh, and you were you you were you were doing some ticks like rubbing your hair and we were joking about it and there was a lot more relaxation through that process. It, and that was my uh, experience, but again, that's just subjective. Uh, tell me what, uh, uh, does, does that make any sense well, to you? Well, it's,
2: it's, it's interesting that you bring up my physicality because I just had, uh, I went out for drinks with the, friend of mine from childhood on Thursday, and it was one of the first things he noticed about me was how um, different, I looked, uh, I used to have a, a twitch, actually, um, a really bad one, and uh, it was one of the first things he noticed is that I wasn't twitching anymore. So, I mean, yeah, that makes sense to me, and other people brought that up at the barbecue as well, that I was, uh, my voice had a lower pitch than it did um, when some people came up to New York and was it March or something? Yeah, And at the beginning, so, I don't something. know if you've seen
0: that Seinfeld where there's that woman who always walks like she's carrying suitcases, invisible suitcases, straight arms. Yeah. Right. And you were a little bit, I mean, again, we all have our ticks, I have them and everyone has them. Right. But that's just something that I noticed really eased off uh, during the weekend. Right.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I used to be much worse. that. I used to slouch all the time and stuff like that. Um, uh, that's that's changed a fair amount,
0: right? Yeah. So, I th- I mean, to to me, what what happens? What I'm trying to sort of, trying to put myself in in your shoes, and what I'm trying what I'm trying what I'm sort of getting for myself, which again made me nothing is is that you would work very hard to get your parents' good opinion through some sort of achievement, through some sort of prize, through some sort of obedience, through some sort of... You, you desperately would try to get their uh, good opinion, and then you would you would get their good opinion, and of course, well, everything that you have to earn through strenuous effort diminishes, right? Uh, but, but relatively quickly, right? I mean, the thr- Yeah, it's, it's no longer good enough. Stuff.
2: It has to be topped. I'm sorry? It has to be topped, you know.
0: Yeah, it has to be after. topped, uh, or it's going to fade, right?
2: Yeah. And actually it's 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 one of the things that I think was I mean major with my relationship with uh my fiance is that she picked me to help her manage her father. Right. As weird as that sounds. But and managing her father was relatively easy for me. It was like lifting a five pound weight when I'd been accustomed to lifting fifty pound ones, you know.
0: Right. Well, you you are you are very intelligent, obviously, and you're very, very aware of social status and its manipulation, right? Yes. and, and again, I don't this is no criticism. I think it's an essential skill to have to survive in yeah. this fucked up environment that you grew up in, right?
2: Yeah, just uh, something something that I felt ashamed about, but I don't really feel so ashamed about it anymore, but um I definitely felt really guilty about it afterwards, and I'm not. Not bragging or anything, but when my dad got remarried, um, I was his best man, and I made a speech, and, you know, the whole wedding party spent the rest of the, 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 the wedding con- congratulating me on my speech. You know, they ignored my dad, and they were all shaking my
0: hand. Oh, I have no doubt that you served your father's vanity most excellently. Yeah. Right, because you grew up in this bonfire of the vanity's hellhole, hole, Right
2: yeah that's just yeah um and I mean, after that, I felt really disgusted with myself and looking back at it, you know, I feel guilty, but
0: well i don't i mean I don't you can if you want, but I think that's no i mean I don't really feel that way now, but I did right i mean that's you know. like uh to me, that's like you know if you if you live in africa it's it's like feeling guilty for checking your shoes for scorpions before you put your feet in there i mean that's just a survival strategy, right
2: yeah. Yeah, but I'm, I am really keenly aware of those things. I'm really keenly aware of how to get into somebody's good graces rapidly and if, when I want to and so on.
0: Well, but you will only get into bad people's good graces that way, right? Because good people will see it for what it is, right? Which is fear and, and manipulation based on trauma, right? Sure. I mean, that, that stuff doesn't work on good people, right? No, it doesn't. I mean, I was much more, if you want to um, impressed or whatever, I mean, I was impressed by you the whole weekend, but I was much more impressed when you were relaxed and more comfortable in your own skin at the end of the weekend than at the beginning of the weekend where there was a lot of status stuff coming out, right? I mean, I understood that yeah. status stuff and I sympathized with it, but the, 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 I think the good people will be impressed through the authenticity, not through the status stuff.
2: Yeah, I think certainly that. Old, old, the old tricks don't really work so well on a lot of people from FDR, so.
0: Right, and and that's that's why you get to, that's why, it, it's because I, I neither, obviously I didn't attack you for that stuff, but neither did I respond in a, uh, you know, ooh kind of way, right? It was like, it is what it is, you're saying what you're saying, I'm processing and I understand it, I understand where it's coming from, but because I didn't respond in a way that was hierarchical to what you were doing, you had a chance to relax into something more, Authentic, I thought, towards the end of the weekend. Sure, sure. And, and the reason that I'm bringing this all up, JC, is because... Yeah, I'm trying to... I want to frighten people into not coming up to the FDR X-ray radioactive lab of personality evaluation for next summer. Just kidding. Um, no, but uh, the, the, the reason that I'm bringing this up is that as, as a child, when, when we have to work like crazy... To achieve our parents' good opinion, and and we do that because that brings us a feeling of safety, right?
2: Sure, at least temporarily. Yeah, a, yeah, absolutely.
0: Tempor- it's it's a it, it's you know it's a it's a temporary shark cage that gets taken away later, right? But at least for that little bit, you get the essential rest, and and knowing you knew for, uh, when your father got remarried after you made this great speech, you knew that you weren't going to be attacked by anyone for the rest of the night, right? Oh, yeah. and you, So you could relax, right, about that.
2: Sure, sure.
0: So I think this is sort of my uh, – I mean this is also, of course, partly based on my own experience as well. But this is what I think uh, occurs is that when somebody is, uh, appears snappy or breaks a connection or withdraws or, or whatever, right – what that signals for you is it's time to get on the Endless Bicycle Graffle Mountain again, right? Your rest is over, yeah. Sonny. Back into the water with the sharks and start fighting them off, right?
2: Yeah, like when Lauren did that on, in July, um, the Seattle woman, yeah. that killed me. You know, it's, you know that, that, that sent me to crazy town. Like I had to do anything and everything I could think of to
0: – but I mean I left
2: immediately, but still. Like that happening just totally set me off.
0: And, right. You know, so I would say that done. when your therapist says, uh, you know, sorry to interrupt you, but time is up. Right. And ha- however nicely he does it, whatever. Right. I think that what that communicates to you is that the connection is broken. I'm back in the doghouse and I'm exhausted. I don't want to have to do it again, but I have no choice. I've got to start winning back people's approval.
2: That happened on Wednesday in group two. Oh, okay. Oh, well, maybe like this is I, I, uh, coming
0: together for a reason then for you. What, what happened on Wednesday?
2: Um, on Wednesday, I, I think I skirted towards breaking the rules of the group by, um, I mean, I got, I got really angry. Um, this one woman reminded, well, the, the, the sequence events went something like this. A uh, therapist points out that the point of group is to connect with other people And then I connected with this other woman and hated her (laughs) because she was like my mom. And, uh, you know, and then I, we kind of had a spat and I I did, I kind of thought for a a bit that she was my mom and I yelled at her, but, and the therapist stopped me and I scared one of the other women and I felt, uh, I felt bad about that and i felt like i'd you know broken broken the rules and uh screwed up and people who had uh, you know the other people who had uh, liked me and looked up to me now saw me as you know a loose cannon and uh i you know i spent the rest of the the short amount of the session trying to make up uh cut, trying to you know redeem myself make up for it you know yeah don't do that Don't
0: do that? No. uh, Look, I mean, I I think you're doing this for a reason, and I think it's a very healthy reason, and I'll try and elucidate it briefly, and you can see if it makes any sense. Sure. If we want people's approval because we're frightened, they're bad people, right? Right. I mean, um, we see this played out, obviously, in a much smaller way on, on the board, right, if you get some person coming in who's aggressive or dismissive or scornful or superior or something, right? You know, we all have this temptation to pile on and to get this person to understand and to turn them around and to get them to see and blah, 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 right? But uh, I don't debate with people where I feel uh, uh, threatened, uh, aggressed against, right? Because I, I I don't want to change the mind of bad people, right? Okay. So, if you understand that your degree of desperation for your mother's approval and your need for security around her, that that did not arise because you wanted to love her or you felt love for her or anything like that, that arose out of brute, biological, conditioned, unavoidable fear of abandonment, of uh, disapproval leading to, essentially, death. Because you started this by saying your affection towards your mother, right? And again, I'm not saying that this was something, this is not something that you feel uh, is valid, but but this is what you started this part of the conversation talking about, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I tried to qualify it. Yeah, no, I understand. But if you look at how you sparked off this woman on Wednesday, that's your primal experience of your mother, right? Yeah. Now, did you want this woman's approval? No. Right. So, do you see this is your actual experience of your mother that happened on Wednesday?
2: Yeah, as as a morally disgusting woman who, uh, I mean, the way I put it is, I feel disgust when I hear you talk about how you about her describing her relationship with her father.
0: Right. Right.
2: I mean, I feel disgusted, and then extremely angry at this per- at, at her for her claims of, number one, being a victim, and number two... I mean, fine, she was a victim when she was a kid, but I mean, talking about how presently how she's, you know, helpless or whatever, and then, then she said that she didn't like being disrespected, even when she talked about basically how her whole life is more or less organized around maximizing the amount of disrespect she receives, so... I mean, the hypocrisy ticked me off, and the lying ticked me
0: off, and right. So, so, and I'm I'm with you there. So Wednesday, you feel obviously it doesn't have much to do with this woman, right? It's to do with your mom, obviously. We I mean, don't. Even, yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Certainly. Perfectly aware. Yeah, and then Friday, yeah. you experience the other side, which is when you're when you feel cut off by your therapist, you feel. Anxious and depressed, sad, right? Mm-hmm. Do you see the connection between these two? Do you want me to go a little further? You have to go a little sure, further., for me. Oh, and sure. it's hard to it's hard to see, and it, it may be not true, right, but, but this is sort of what, what I'm getting. Um, when you experience the disgust that you feel towards your mother? When you were a kid, that was never an acceptable emotion to express, right?
2: Not if it was authentically mine. Only if it was shared with my dad.
0: No, no, no. I mean to your mom.
2: To your mom? Um, If my dad said it was to her? Not while I was really young, no.
0: So when... It,
2: no, so no, actually, actually not while they were... Not, not so you're were saying together. that when
0: you were older, you could have a productive conversation with your mother where you said, Mom, you disgust me.
2: Not productive, but I would I would yell at her and stuff like that. I mean, at the tail end before the relationship totally... before I stopped talking to her entirely when I was 15.
0: Right, I mean, but when you were a kid, it's not like an 19. acceptable topic, right?
2: No not, no, not at all, not when I was a kid.
0: So... When you were a kid, as you say, she would, uh, she would really run hot and cold, right? Yeah. And you would be, as any child would be, you were desperate to get her back into the quote, hot zone, right? Yeah. Because cold is terrifying, right? Right. Well, sorry. And, and it, I, I don't want to confuse I guess I'm sort of asking if it was.
2: Yes, it was incomprehensible, really, and, I mean, she was gone for a lot of my infancy and toddlerhood, just not there. She was getting her PhD that she never even finished.
0: Right, so the the threat of abandonment was very real, very visceral to you, right?
2: Yeah, it was known, actually, because, I mean, my dad and my babysitter raised me when I was really little. I didn't start to have significant time with her at all until I was at five.
0: Right. So what, what you're seeing, I think, in this Wednesday to, to Friday switch is you're seeing the two sides of power. You're experiencing the two sides of maternal sense. power. And, and I mean the abuse of maternal power. I mean, maternal power can be yeah. the most beautiful thing in the world. But the abuse of maternal power. And the first is aggression. Right. And, and what that is, is spraying crazy into the room. Right. So it's when moms will sit down and talk a whole bunch of shit that turns your stomach. Right. Like as you say, this woman was yeah, doing I mean, on Wednesday in group. Right.
2: Yeah. I mean, this woman is completely full of shit and uh, I'm completely disgusted by her. And I mean, the, I, there, there are other women who in, in, in the group who I'm not. Dis- actively disgusted by, but this woman.
0: No, no, I got it. I got should. it, right? So you're seeing yeah. this aggression on the part of the mother, right? The aggressive crazy, right? Yeah. And then with your therapist, you experience. And, and, and sorry, we experience that when we're later, as, as men in particular. We experience that when we. Uh, after puberty, right? The crazy? We experience our anger at crazy um, mom, uh, an aggressive mom we experienced that primarily after puberty
2: oh yeah, totally, absolutely
0: because before puberty be like a, we're too small know, we can get hit, we can get abandoned but with puberty comes fuck you, I can make it on my own now, right?
2: yeah, um, actually when, I around puberty once my mom tried to hug me and I shoved her to the ground and that's when our relationship changed a lot towards the anger
0: so. Oh, yeah. There's this flip where you're no longer looking up at your mom physically, but you're looking down at your mom, right? Yeah. Right. And, 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 and that's, that's a big switch, right? So Wednesday, you experienced adult JC's experience of his mom, right? Yeah. But Friday, when your therapist, quote, cut you off, right, you experienced the other side of maternal abusive power, which is really the foundation of maternal abusive power, which is abandonment, rejection, coldness, withdrawal, cutting you off.
2: Sure. And I mean, I think it was, it was highlighted because the session uh, up, up to the end had been uh, probably one of my best with him so far and most productive.
0: Right, and with your mother, intimacy, the, the closer the quote, the closer you got, the worse the rejection was, right?
2: Oh, yeah, for sure. Even if the rejection mm, is I the mean, same it's,
0: as it's always been, it feels worse because you were closer beforehand, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, the same thing with my relationships now, previous ones at least.
0: Yeah, what, what happens is you, at least in the past, you would charge in and you would, it's called fusion, right? So you would charge in and you would completely mesh in an orgiastic uh, kind of uh, soul mingling, uh, you know, uh, uh, everything is perfect, uh, you're the perfect one, everything's perfect, 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 right? And then there would be a problem, the whole thing would fly apart, right? Yeah. And, of course, that is uh, the the desperation to merge with the mother is never satisfied when the mother is manipulative and distant, right? So we're always hungry for that merging, but then, when we merge, we start to feel anxiety. We start because we know that the next thing becomes is the rejection, right? Yeah. So I think I mean I think this is good. I know it's not easy, but I think that what you're trying to do is you're trying to your unconscious is coming up and saying, "Look, we have these these two experiences of mom, which is a desperation for connection." and a fear of her craziness and her anger. And anger towards her, right? I mean, there's the craziness and anger. It starts with fear, and then after puberty, it usually goes to anger, right?
2: Yeah, I mean... I mean, part of what I went over is that my connection to her was also punished by the degree to which she let my dad attack her. So it was like I was being attacked while she was being attacked as well.
0: Right, right, for sure. And it all rests upon the illusion of ownership. The illusion that you had anything to do with how your mother treated you. That's why we feel desperation. That's why we feel anger. That's why we feel depression. That's why we feel this need. That's why we keep climbing or trying to climb this gravel mountain. It's because we have this fantasy that we have something to do with how these people behave.
2: Oh, well, I was not, the myth would be I was not working hard enough.
0: Yeah, I'll try this, anything. I'll do that, I'll do the other, I'll try this, I'll approach this, I'll win this, and now I'll get angry at her. All of this is an attempt to influence the behavior of your mother, right?
2: Yeah, like the anger was an attempt to influence her, to get attempt her to get her out of her depression. Because, I don't know, that's what my dad showed me.
0: Well, to get her out of her self-pity. Like, we're always trying to dislodge people with... The force of our feelings, with our arguments, with our rhetoric, with our passion, with our withdrawal, with our – we're always trying to get people to, uh, to change their behavior. And fundamentally, when we're children, we're trying to get them to, to act better, right? Oh, yeah, sure. Certainly. Like just be a fucking reasonable parent, right? Be a reasonable parent. I'm not asking for perfection here. Just don't be an idiot. Don't be a bitch. Don't be an asshole. Just be a fucking reasonable parent. This is all we're trying to do as children, right?
2: Yeah, my interest in politics started when I was a kid, because, you know, I was was the great reformer, you know, trying to tell my parents, this is what you do to be better. Dad, you should yell less, stuff like that, the great yelling less program.
0: (laughs) Right, right. So we have these very strong reactions with our parents, because we have to have this belief when we're children that we can do something to affect the outcome, Right.
2: But nothing I did seem to have any positive effect, actually. It seemed to... To me, it seemed like it was
0: the opposite. Right. And as we get older, and we view things with a deeper understanding, we get that we were yelling at statues.
2: Yeah, I mean, she was never going to alter.
0: Yeah, she's she's a narcissist. Again, this is all clinical bullshit I'm just saying here, right? But we're just using labels to, for, for for shortness, for conciseness. But if she's a narcissist, which obviously you've given you, your dad, well, God knows, right? Twelve different diagnoses. But she, she, she has no capacity to be influenced by other people's behavior. Now, that doesn't mean that she doesn't change her behavior if other people, like if someone in power is angry at her, she might conform or whatever, right? But all of that is yeah. just self-management because she's afraid of someone in power she'll act to appease them because of her own feelings right it's got nothing to do with the person in power right it's all self
2: yeah i mean that was the idea is you know yelling at her she'll actually do something versus just be depressed and i mean the thought for me that came out in therapy was maybe she'll die if we don't yell at her
0: i I totally understand that and when we get older i think that we can have the sympathy to ourselves, particularly to a, a younger selves, to say, I totally get why you felt that you had to do something, but there was nothing that you could do. The victim can never heal the abuser. Ever. Ever, 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 ever. And the more the victim tries to heal the abuser, the greater the danger of becoming the abuser, right? There was nothing that yeah. you could do to alter your mom, the hot and cold, your dad, his yelling, the temper, the vanity, the – right? You were lashed to a locomotive that kept jumping the tracks. You weren't given access to controlling it. You weren't given access to uh, handbrakes or to, to, uh, to the throttle. Uh, you, you had uh, no control whatsoever. Over this mad machine, this broken, fucked-up machine of a family, you had no control, uh, you had no capacity to alter the behavior of your parents whatsoever. Hmm. Right people, people imagine that they can control these evil people these and, and of course, they, they believe that they can control these evil institutions church reform. Government, politics, running for office, I'm going to change the system, right? Barack Obama's going to go into Washington and change the system, right? But we we can't change these systems for the better. We can't change our families for the better. We can't change governments or churches for the better. We can't. That's why they have to go. I don't mean the family as an institution, right? But the family, as it's so often practiced, the abuse of power. They can't be reformed. They can't be reformed. Our family, like I can't reform my family. I mean, obviously, I've got a kid on the way um, with Christina's mild participation. Um, but so I'm hoping to remake the family uh, as, as, a, as a wonderful institution. I can't change my family, my family of origin. You, you, can't, you can't. Completely and totally. You might as well be yelling at a hurricane and getting mad when the hurricane doesn't obey you. It's mad. It's crazy, right? It's like having a debate about global warming and inviting the weather and then telling the weather to settle down. It's, it's crazy. And, and it's, it's perfectly sane when we're children. You know, We have to have this illusion of control. But maturity is understanding that there was nothing we could do. Absolutely nothing we could do. And that it was really healthy to not believe that for a long time because otherwise we'd have given up completely. We'd have fallen into complete despair, right? Yeah, that's true. So much of human society is devoted to this illusion of control, right? If I vote, I can control my society, right? If I read these books, I can control my family. If I sit down and talk with people, if I have an intervention, if I, do, I can control these people. If I get angry, if I yell, if I hit my kids, I can control them. If I pray to God, I can control the outcome. If I look up my fucking astrology sign, I can predict tomorrow. If I burn incense, the woman will call me, right? All of this magical thinking is is endemic to, to the world because it is so hard emotionally to accept we can't. The only way we can ever change people's behavior is to inspire them. Every time you try to control them, everybody goes down the shithole.
2: Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't feel as sad anymore. I feel kind of raw. But um...
0: Well, the sadness comes, in my opinion, and tell me if this is nonsense, but the sadness comes because you feel you failed. That if you'd only done something, your mother's connection with you would have maintained itself, right? Because, of course, that's what she told you. You've done something wrong. You have displeased me. Therefore, I will no longer be close to you. But it's nonsense.
2: Oh, yeah, for sure. That is what she told me uh, explicitly. I have no doubt. On a number of occasions. And my dad, too. Um.
0: Right. Right. And, and so um, if we feel that we've failed at something, right? So when your therapist said, uh, time's up, JC, you got to go. You feel like, oh... The connection is broken. I did something wrong.
2: I don't know if I felt that way. I just felt kind of like I had to self-manage a bit.
0: But you felt sad afterwards, right?
2: Yeah, when I got back home.
0: But, of course, you couldn't control your therapist and say, no, I want 12 hours, right? right? And you couldn't control your mother. The situations were the same, right? Obviously, your therapist is not yeah. being abusive, or I mean anything like that. But if if you yeah. look at it that way, you you're getting that you couldn't. I mean, your therapist didn't do anything wrong. You know, it's forty-five minutes, but when he cuts you off, you feel like sad, right?
2: Yeah. A lot of the time, I set it up so that it it works okay. You know, I I deal with the, whatever I'm talking about by the end of the session but
0: I mean that time no and I think there's a reason why you did that and the reason that yeah. you did that was so you could re-experience your mother's disconnection right it has to be um... because you had a mom thing on Wednesday and then you had another mom thing on Friday that's all I'm saying is that you're working on the mom thing
2: yeah, I've made a conscious commitment to that for the past uh, month or so. So uh, Now I feel sad again, but um, kind of relief.
0: And that's okay. I mean, it is sad when our parents withdraw their affection from us and make us work to earn it back. That is not something that children should be peddling up a slippery slope to get a hold of and to maintain and to retain, right? Yeah. We, don't, we don't make human beings, in this case literally, dependent upon us and then withhold our affection and good graces. We just don't. I mean, that's just such an abuse of power, right? But the temptation is so great for so many people. So many parents, right?
2: Of course. and I mean, I was just thinking, my parents kind of defooed me before I ran into FDR.
0: Yeah, a defu is not an action on the part of, of you. A defoo is simply a recognition that there is no relationship. It is not the breaking of a relationship. Like if you're sitting in a car that's... 40 years old, has no engine, no tires, is full of rust, and has springs sticking out the seat, and you think you're driving across the country, and at some point you just shake your head and go, holy shit, I'm sitting in a rust bucket at the back of an ESO station in the outskirts of Des Moines. I'm not crossing the country. I'm not in a car that drives anywhere. I'm not in a car that works. It's all an illusion. If you then get out of that car that has no engine and has no wheels do we say, oh my God, he's abandoning his cross-country drive. He's no longer driving cross-country. It's like, no, he never was driving cross-country. He simply recognized that reality. That there is no relationship. And there is no empathy and there is no connection. When people have abused us, there is no possibility of a relationship. And I don't mean like they yelled at us once or twice and then apologized. I'm not talking about anything like that. When people have systematically and repeatedly harmed us as children, there is never any possibility of a relationship with them in any way, shape, or form ever. Because those people are acting in a completely fucked up, alien, sadistic, sociopathic way. They they lack empathy. And they will always act out their cruelty. And all we're doing when they have rejected us over and over and over and over and over again is we're saying, hey, you know what? There is no relationship here. They chose to reject me. I certainly didn't choose to be born in this family. They chose to attack, to humiliate, to reject, to punch, to kick, to scream at, to send to Sunday school, to propagandize, to lie, to, to manipulate, to, to exploit, to control, to, to hit. They chose to do all of that. And I'm simply recognizing that if somebody five times my size hit me or yelled at me repeatedly, there's no relationship. There's no relationship. It's yeah. just a recognition. And, uh, it's not, we don't will a defense. We recognize that we have always been rejected and that there is no relationship.
2: Yeah, and I, I certainly haven't had any second thoughts about that at all since I expressly
0: stopped... Uh, Talking to them. Right, anarchism is not getting rid of the state. Anarchism is recognizing there is no state. It is an acceptance of a fact that there is no such thing called the state. There are a bunch of guys with guns, for sure. Right, atheism is not rejecting God. Atheism accepting there is no God. Anarchism is, is accepting there is no state. And defu, if it is occurring, is a recognition that there is no family. There's only this accidental biological cage that we're damn lucky to get out of. But it is not rejecting something that is. It is accepting that something is not and never was and never will be. We're not driving cross-country. We're just sitting in a rust bucket. That's all Adifu is.
2: Um, so... The conclusion is more or less that uh, I was triggering abandonment again with my therapist. And I
0: think you were triggering the anger and you were triggering the feelings of sadness and panic at the abandonment in order to highlight that you still feel, as we all do, and there's no, 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 this is not bad, this is not delinquent or anything, but a part of you, a significant part of you, is still operating under the principle that you could have had an effect on your family.
2: I hardly think about my family outside of therapy, though.
0: Well, that's a very bad it, sign, right?
2: Yeah, it gets expressed through persistent thoughts about the last girlfriend, just in my head over and over and over. So is that a stand-in for my family? It's the same kind of principle that I could have had an effect Well, I mean, look at your relationships, person.
0: right? Okay. You, you, They start off with this idealistic merging, and then they end up with this bitter separation, right? Yeah, yeah, you think more about your family and you'll act it out less in your relationships. You should be thinking a lot about your family and your history, in my opinion, particularly while you're in therapy and particularly while you're doing, as I did, three hours a week. Right. I don't I didn't do any group, but I guess I had my group <laughs> in therapy, my ecosystem. But um, no, you should. In my opinion, you should be thinking about your family a lot and you should be remembering and re, uh, recalling the experiences that you had as a child. Uh, the desperation that we all felt to, to to create a better environment for ourselves, the fantasy that we could do it was essential for our survival and completely insane.
2: Yeah, I mean, I write about therapy, but I write about what goes on in therapy, but if I'm journaling, it's certainly about what's happening now and not about what happened in the past. Although I have written about the past, um, like, a couple months ago, but I haven't really gotten back into that lately. Right, and so
0: you're <laughs> no, the saying... That- um, let's get back into it.
2: Okay. Yeah, I'm kind of scared because uh, my family history is kind of screwed up, and that's also probably why I went out for drinks with this friend of mine, this old old friend of mine. I don't know if I would call him a, a friend now. I mean, because I mean, well, that might have I, to I, do.
0: I mean, certainly, I, I think that we've we've. We've got enough to work with. Well, you sorry, we you have enough to work with. Is, is there anything else you wanted to add about this? Uh, was this relatively useful? I know we were pretty wide-ranging. I was just trying to, trying to get where you might be coming from because I know it was a little unclear for you.
2: Um, no, this was clear.
0: And I, I went through the whole it thing without Christina rolling her eyes at me once. Oh, is that a good How sign? Is that a very is good unusual? Sign. And without her making okay. that little open and close her hand uh, yak, yak, yak thing. So that's, uh, that's very okay. good. Um, so, so yeah, I, I think we'll consider that positive. Is there anything else you wanted to add at the moment?
2: Um, no, I, I don't think so. I mean, I was just I was curious if Christina had anything to say because you just brought her up. But otherwise, uh, if she doesn't, then well, maybe you can move on.
0: All right. Well, thank you very much. I, wanna... I, I appreciate that. And uh, remember, it's... Uh, nothing you could have affected at all. So okay. uh, these die were cast long before you came along. So, uh, All right. Well, thank you very much. Is there anyone else who had another comment or a question which we can take before le fini de la Sorry, I don't mean to get all Gallic on your asses. Going with the ones. All right. Well, thank you everybody so much for a uh, very good show. I really do appreciate... Uh, these excellent, excellent questions. I may be having a debate on Halloween with um, Qtron Man. Uh, Qtron Man versus Steph Bot. Um He uh, he he came uh, he came across like a tiger. Let's hope he doesn't turn into a lamb. And we're going to have a debate on anarchist epistemology because he believes that uh, when I say the concepts don't exist, that I am anti-conceptual, right? In the same way that when I say the concept of money doesn't exist, I don't have anything to spend but um we uh we shall see uh, he's uh he's quite uh quite down on anarchists and uh he is uh, seems to be a pretty staunch objectivist a very intelligent fellow uh certainly fairly punchy but uh we can certainly survive that i'm sure uh and so we may be having uh hopefully we're going to have a debate uh at the end of the month uh on halloween which um, perhaps we can make into a live cage match event uh, event which will be excellent um i have A boxing outfit from when i was in the cub scouts and when i was about seven i'm fairly sure i can still squeeze into it um and even if i can't it'll probably be pretty entertaining to watch uh if not a little sad so um uh, perhaps that will be the pre-show show show, so to speak and uh, i'm sure it won't be distracting for him if i debate in that outfit uh with a boa so um that will be going on at the end of the month uh, other than that, I don't think there's anything monstrous. Uh, I, I've never, I never heard back from CNN, which is not too, uh, too shocking uh, to say the least. Uh, this week coming up, I have been uh, attempting to roll through the fetid, creepy socialist mess of uh, Barack Obama's uh, uh, platform. Um, and uh, I don't know if I'm going to make it to the end. I'm going to try and do that uh, and then do McCain's and then I'm going to uh, try and do a review of Zeitgeist. Uh, which is that uh, 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 a no-profit society plus a bong will not be the way of the future. The bong seems to be necessary for this uh, movie. It's uh, certainly the first bit about money, I think, is good. Uh, and then it goes all kinds of nutty into, you know, robots will uh, light your bong for you uh, and uh, <laughs> toke you up. But uh, we will uh, do a review of that, which I've had uh, at least, uh, I don't know, 20 requests to, to have a look at. Um, it is, uh, it is just, to me, amazing how people can just go so wildly off the rails. Uh, but perhaps the same will be said of us in the future, though I don't think so. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for dropping by. I really do appreciate it. Have yourselves a wonderful, wonderful week. Uh, that's really all I've got planned. We have uh, eight weeks until the LCF makes his official, officially scheduled entrance, which does not mean that he may not be late or, or earlier. He or she, that is correct. Or if we really roll snake eyes. but uh, no trannies in the family as yet we'll see Uh, so thank you so much and uh, uh, do check out uh, I did a podcast sorry the sound wasn't uh, wildly great but I did a podcast uh, recently called um, uh, The Truth as Psychotic Drug uh, which is a uh, gripping uh, title but a very good podcast let me just pick up the uh, number here so that I can do the official thing and refer to it by its number 1184, Uh, 1183, The World of Third Child, 1184, The Truth of Psychotic Drug. If you are debating with people, I'd recommend it. Of course, if you're listening to this, you've probably gone past it. And uh, 1182, Ethics Reloaded, UPB uh, is a good animated video to check out. So uh, thank you, everyone, so much for your support. As always, I hope that uh, this conversation is doing you proud for your participation and your financial generosity to keep it going. It, It all depends upon you. And thank you so much. Have yourself a wonderful week. I will speak to you next week.